Well, good morning. God is good. Hey, if you're new to the church, there's this thing we've done on and off over the years. I say God is good, and you say all the time, and then I say all the time. Yeah, so it's not some weird chant, cultish thing or anything. It's just a way to celebrate, right? So God is good, and all the time. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be actually working through a number of passages of Scripture, uh, starting with Psalm chapter 141. Um, but then, uh, really, the, the anchor passage that we'll be using is in 2 Samuel chapter 12, which is over in the Old Testament as well. Uh, and we'll be hitting a few different things. So, I want to tell you about a guy. I wish you could have known him. His name was Dave. Uh, Dave was a great guy who led a, an extremely fascinating life. Uh, he grew up on the farm as the youngest of eight children. I'm not sure exactly what or where or when it happened, but at some point um, Dave had surrendered his life to God and became a follower of God. And as a result, he prayed a lot, he studied scripture a lot, and, and really focused on what that scripture meant for his life. And, and everyone around knew of Dave's love for God. Well, one time, at one point in his life, a, as a young man, he leaves home, he joins up with the military, and as circumstances would have it, Dave became a national hero uh, during wartime, uh, and, and he was this—he was just a natural-born leader, and so his rise to the top was nothing short of miraculous. He was wealthy. Uh, he was known and highly respected as a political leader. I mean, everything was going his way. I mean, Dave was at the top of his game. Um, Life could not have been going any better for Dave in this moment until he made a dumb decision. One evening, the neighbor lady next door slips over to Dave's house and doesn't come out until the next morning. Two facts would complicate Dave's life at this point for the rest of his days. One, the neighbor mistress, uh, she became pregnant after that night. The other thing that would complicate Dave's life uh, was that he had a friend by the name of Nate. And Nate became aware of Dave's poor choice. Now, I want you to push the pause button on the story here for just a minute. I want, I want you to imagine that you are Nate. Imagine that you are Dave's friend, all right? And you become aware of Dave's poor choice. You become aware of Dave's bad judgment call, right? Um, what do you say? What do you do with this knowledge of what had happened? How, how do you handle this kind of information? Uh, we've been in a series entitled Sticks and Stones. We, we've been talking about the fact that, that words matter. There's power in words. 
uh, of all the creatures on planet Earth, humans are the only one who have the, the ability to speak through spoken word. The, the power of words is a unique and powerful gift of God. And when you read passages um, on this subject about the power of words, one, one of the things that become very clear very quickly is that words matter, right? Uh, we've all heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? But we also know that's simply not true. It's not necessarily physical blows that are the most harmful. Words can reduce a person's self-esteem to next to nothing within an instant. I mean, there's just power in words. Uh, when talking about the power of words, we often talk about what we shouldn't say. And, and we've spent, if you've been here, you know this, we've spent the last two Sundays talking about, you know, really what we shouldn't say or controlling our tongue or what's in our heart will come out of our mouth, right? And so kind of that side of it this morning. But, but, this, but this morning, I, I want to end by talking about the power of words, by talking about some things we should say, things we should say. Um, Psalms 141, verse 3 says this, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and what? Guard my lips. Now, I, I want to focus on the first part of that that says, Take control of what I say, O Lord. What I want to talk about today is a little bit different. I want to talk about the things we should say. I want to talk about the things that we should articulate. Uh, but often we hold back from saying these things uh, because they're just hard to say, it's awkward to say, even though it's true, it's just really difficult to say. All right, so back to the story of, of Dave. Uh, this isn't a fictional story. It's not a hypothetical scenario. This story comes right out of the pages of the Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, many of us know uh, the man that I'm talking about as King David, Right, and uh, King David ends up having affair, an affair with his neighbor lady, whose name is Bathsheba, and she becomes pregnant. Back in uh, the 80s, when I was a teenager growing up and having fun, I was raised on uh, good Christian music most of the time, uh, and then other times when I wasn't at home, it was Journey and ACDC and all the stuff, but. At home, it was good Christian contemporary music, and there, there was a guy back in the day whose name was uh, whose name was Carmen. Some of you who are a little older might remember this, and it's so awesome. He had really cool storytelling type of songs, and he, in one of his songs, he says, talking about this story, he says, his talking about David, his eyes caught that Bathsheba fox, and he was smitten down to his socks it, you know just kind of corny you know but it, it was cool back then um, and, and Carmen would talk about Carmen would talk about how he had his eyes on the creation and not on the creator well this is the story of David anyway King David's friend was a prophet he was a representative of God named Nathan 
And in this story, we see how Nathan approaches this very tricky situation. And I want to I spend a few minutes talking about getting involved with somebody else's business. Speaking into somebody else's life. Is there a time, is there a way I should speak truth into someone else's life? And I, I'm not talking about the little things. I'm not, I'm not talking about the agonizing decision as to should I tell him his zipper is down? Uh, should I tell her she has broccoli in her teeth? Um, I'm not talking about when your wife comes up to you and says, Does, do these pants make my hips look big? You know, guys, I don't know. This may be unbiblical, but I think we get a pass on that one. You know, just say no. Um, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the issues in life that have far-reaching implications, that are life-altering type implications. And maybe it is an extramarital affair. Maybe it's not an extramarital affair like King David, but it could be someone uh, cheating on the company that you guys work for, right? It, it could be a friend who has a vicious and a critical spirit. It might be a friend who's just constantly insensitive and degrading to his or her spouse, right? Uh, it could be someone in your life group uh, or in the group you run around with on Friday nights and they just have this explosive temper and it's just getting out of control. It, maybe it's a family member who they drank and when they drank, man, they, it's just getting worse and worse and it's really having an effect on their family. You know, whatever, the list goes on. I know that many of us can't imagine ourselves having this kind of conversation with a friend who has strayed or who has developed a, a, a destructive pattern in their life. Every, every one of us fears having this type of conversation, even if what our friend is dealing with is obviously wrong and destructive. It's so hard to have this conversation. And if you're somebody who likes to have this type of conversation, I'm concerned for you because that's not normal, right? It's normal to be concerned about having this conversation. Uh, you know, we, we don't feel it's our place to say anything. We wonder, what would I say? Do I even have any right to say anything to this person? And, and those are fair questions because these, these are difficult issues. And most of the time, as we've talked about over the last two Sundays, we need to be disciplined with what we shouldn't say, but there are times that we need to step out of our comfort zone and speak truth into somebody's life. Truth in love, right? Um, the problem, though, is that we have these preconceived ideas about speaking into each other's lives. Uh, we have some hang-ups, some fears about, we have some misperceptions about speaking into one another's life, and, and I just want to hit a couple of those over the next few minutes. And then here's the first one. The first distorted view we have is of grace and love. All right? Uh, the sad truth of our culture is that some of you have been beat up by religion or by a church, just a church that was very strict and very, you know, the hammer was down. And some of you who grew up in that type of a setting, you have emotional scars from, from your church or your denomination or whatever that you, you were it was just mean-spirited almost and 
this judgmental religious environment, a, you know, a place where love was and grace was like a foreign concept. It just wasn't part of their language and, and where fear was used to motivate people. It makes me think of a, a, a story about our church many years ago. Um, it, it's um, not who you're thinking of. It's someone else. Um, but back in the day, there was this young couple, new, new Christians. They, um, <clears throat> they brought their neighbor lady. They invited their neighbor lady to church, to our church, right? And um, so the young couple goes in to church. The neighbor lady who was unchurched stays outside and finishes her cigarette before she goes into the church. And one of the leaders of the church at that time come out and scold her for smoking on church property. That lady who was unchurched just turns around, walks away, starts walking home. Fortunately, we had some good people go get her and... <laughs> You know, it was just a totally dumb situation, but it was that whole religious, like, boom, boom, critical, judgmental, and there was no grace or no truth. Uh, and there may be someone here who's carrying baggage from that kind of an experience in the past, but you're, you're here at New Life this morning hoping that this is a place of love and acceptance, and, and it is. We're glad you're here. We're, we're glad you come just as you are. Um, yes, we will preach the truth and we will teach the truth. We do not hold back on what scriptural truth teaches us, right? Um, but we do it in, in, in a culture of love and grace and it's God working in your life, not Troy, not some church leader. It's God that needs to do the work in your life. Now, so some of you have suffered with that, but I, I'm afraid that too often today the church, capital C, has swung back to the other extreme to where it's all about just grace and truth or grace and love and there's very little actual truth spoken um you know the hard things of the christian faith can i just say this truth without grace is incomplete and grace without truth is incomplete right um so we've sometimes wrongly concluded that to confront somebody is unchristian. Um, it, if I truly love you, I will welcome you into my life unconditionally. Nothing you will do, no matter what kind of choices you make, uh, will ever cause me to call you out on it because I love you and I'm a Christian. When the reality is, is that if I truly, truly care about you, um, if I truly love you, I need to be in a position where I can have that type of conversation uh, with you, all right, that difficult conversation. Um, th there's nothing, nothing my kids could ever do that would get me to stop loving them. I love my kids more than life itself and, and Krista and my family and I'd give my life for them without a second thought. Um, but it's because of that if, if my kids start making dumb judgment calls, I will speak into their life. It's because I love them. It's because I care for them. I will speak into their lives. Proverbs 28, 23 says this. 
in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. Uh, we must care enough to speak truth in love. We must speak truth in grace. It's not contrary to grace. It's not contrary to love to speak the truth into someone's life. Here, here's another um, distorted view we have of the Christian life. It is of the Christian life when it comes to speaking truth into someone's life. In our culture, especially in North America these days, we think, man, I should mind my own business, right? Um, what right do I have to say anything? What right do I have to speak into somebody's life? Uh, one of the values that we hold tightly to is, is individualism. We, you know, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We, we make our own way. We mind our own business. And what happens because of that is that we get offended when somebody else speaks into my life, right? You get on the defensive really quick. But the Apostle Paul would disagree. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. You've got to understand that the Christian life is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. We were meant to do life together. Um, that's why we do things like small groups and corporate worship and, and all of these things is because we need each other to make it through life as followers of Christ. It was never intended for us to live in isolation. Uh, God gave you other believers to encourage you and to help you with the blind spots in your life. Now, you know what a blind spot is, right? Um, a blind spot when you're driving, you, you can be a, a, a great driver, a safe driver. You got, uh, you're, you're obeying the speed limit. You have your hands on 10 and what is it, 2, whatever it is, right? And you got your seatbelt on. You're doing all this stuff, right? And yet you have a passenger over here and you're about to merge into the other lane on the highway and your passenger friend says, hey, you've got a car over here in your blind spot. Now, now, that passenger is not saying anything mean about you. That passenger is not saying that you're doing anything illegal. That passenger is not saying you're doing anything wrong. That passenger is simply speaking into your life going, you've got a blind spot here, there's a car over here, be careful, right? Well, what we know to be true behind the wheel of a vehicle, sometimes we forget about in the wheel of our lives. And so somebody, uh, they just point out something, right? They point out a blind spot. They're not saying you're doing anything wrong. They're not saying you're being irresponsible. They're, they're not judging you. They're, they're simply pointing out a blind spot in your life. Uh, there are things that are not clear to me that are clear to others around me. There are things that are not clear to you that are clear to those around you. It's your blind spot. And if, if I don't have anyone in my life who is in a position to speak into my blind spots, then I'm on scary ground, right? All right, another distorted view. We, we have a distorted view of the Bible. Uh, you know, we've all heard, hey, if you're a Christian, you're not supposed to judge others, and they'll bring up Matthew uh, chapter 7 where it says, do not judge others and you will not be what? Judged. But in that very same chapter, verses 3, 4, and part of 5, it says this. 
And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Now that's a key word. Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, these verses are not a warning against correcting someone. These verses are not a warning against speaking truth into someone's life. They are a warning against hypocritical judgment or correction. Okay? Uh, in other words, there is an appropriate time or place in the right spirit, in the right attitude, to speak into someone's life whom you love who is making destructive choices. Um, and that's what happens in the story of King David we're looking at. Um, be gentle and wise in your approach. Uh, I, I think of Nathan in this story when he approaches David. He didn't walk up to David and go, you dirty scoundrel, you, you know. He, di he didn't do all that pointing at his finger. He said, hey, Dave, you're my friend. You know, do you mind if I tell you a story? And so Dave says, sure, that's fine. And Nate, his friend, says, hey, you know, there were two guys that lived in the same town. One was very rich. One had lots of farmland and cows and camels and sheep, lots and lots of sheep. I mean, flocks of sheep everywhere. He said the other guy that lived in the town was just this poor guy, nice guy. He was, he was just poor, and he only had one sheep. Uh, and, and that poor guy, man, he loved that sheep. It was like the family pet. Uh, the, the, the sheep literally lived with them. The, the sheep became, that one little sheep that he owned became a part of their family. Uh, one day, there was a traveler coming through that town where the rich guy and the poor guy lived. Well, the rich guy wanted to put on a barbecue for the person traveling through town. But rather than taking one of his thousands of sheep, um, he takes the one little sheep from the poor guy that the poor guy owns and he barbecues it uh, for the picnic that day, right? And this is the story that Nathan is telling King David and then listen to David's response about the story. David has no idea what he's talking about, but 2 Samuel chapter 12, David says, David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, talking about King David, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are that man. You're the one that stole the sheep. In essence, David, you took Uriah's one and only love of his life. David, you have everything you could ever want, and you took the one and only love of his life, Bathsheba, and you made her your own. And in that moment, what was happening was Nathan was speaking truth into the life of King David. Now, the reason that having these kinds of conversations is difficult is that it's just difficult. Again, if you look forward to this kind of conversation, there is something messed up in your brain. Right? There is nothing appropriate that, that about someone who loves to, to confront people. Um, 
I also realize that for many of us, under the sound of my voice, that this has not been modeled well for you. Maybe you grew up in a family heritage where things were just kind of swept under the rug and nothing was talked about and, and no one was ever confronted or, or nothing was ever pointed out. No one ever spoke into anyone's life in your family. Maybe that was your heritage or maybe your heritage was the other extreme um, where, man, not only was it pointed out, but it was pointed out in anger and judgment and it was just so brutal and so harsh and and now for you to think, boy, for me to have that type of conversation, I ain't doing it, right? So I realize that some of you might be working through that filter, but I want to tell you what, I'm glad for every teacher, every coach, every friend, every, my parents, I'm glad for pastors and church leaders who have spoken into my life. I am so, so grateful for that. You need that. I need that. When I first was called to pastor this church, our district superintendent at the time, many of you know him, he's, I don't think he's here this service, I think he comes through services. Uh, David Wilson was our district superintendent at the time. And uh, he took me out literally almost every week for an entire year for lunch. Not to scold, not to criticize, but just to just to speak into my life, just to teach, just to love on me, just to help me with blind spots. And I am so, so grateful for that investment. And, and, and if, if you don't have someone like that in your life, man, you've got to get someone like that in your life. You, you've got to have somebody. The reality is simply this, is that sometimes the healthiest thing to say is the hardest thing to say. But it needs to be Here's our passage in Psalm 141. Read it with me if you would. Verse 3. Take control of what I say. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Here we go. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Can I pray for you this morning? This, this is just something God's Word teaches us. And we're going to close with a song of celebration this morning. But I'm so grateful. I had someone in the first service walked out and said, Troy, that message was so timely. Even within the next couple hours, I have to have this conversation with a friend who's struggling with drug addiction. I'm just so grateful that God teaches us and loves on us and puts the light on our path to help us and show us where to go. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone sitting under the sound of my voice this morning. And I thank you for the truth of your word. Yes, Lord, we need to watch what we say. That's, that's the problem most of the time is maybe our heart isn't right and what comes out of our heart ultimately comes out of our mouth and, and sometimes our words are harsh and mean-spirited and judgmental and whatever. But Lord, this morning we're talking about the opposite of that where sometimes we do need to speak truth in the lives of those we love who are making self-destructive choices are hurting people around them because of their judgment calls they're making. Lord, would you give us, first of all, the wisdom to know when that's necessary, and then when it's necessary, Lord, give us the strength to do it with grace and love. Thank you, Lord. You are awesome, and we just celebrate you this morning as we leave and go out into the world and reach others for you. And all God's people said, amen. Worship with us, stand if you would.
see you guys next